the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Associations. Uh, my name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behavioural Change Programme here at the LGA. And as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast series for a while, um, the reason why we, we basically run the podcast is to demystify behaviour change and break it down into really practical bite-sized chunks that you can actually take um, away from the, the podcast and actually implement within your own council for your own behavioural challenges locally. So the way we do that is by speaking to our interesting guests from local government who are actually doing this work um, at the coalface, working on these challenges every day. And, and really, we want to share the lessons that they've learned through the projects that they are running uh, in real time. And today I'm joined by Chicha Roberts from Sandwell Council. Hi there, Chicha. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Excellent stuff. Thanks for your time today. Um, I think first place to start really is can you introduce yourself and your role at the council please? Yeah sure thank you so much for having me on um, today Rian. Um, so my name's Chitra Roberts um, and I work within um, a public health team um, and my role um, or my job title is behavioural insights um, and marketing project manager um, so we're a public health team that's based within Sunwell Council so essentially my role um, is managing um, all the marketing comms that public health does um, and also looking at how we um, use behavioural um, insights and latest thinking from behavioural science to inform um, our service delivery as well. Excellent. And so can you tell me a bit more about how you got into the, the interesting world of behaviour change, behavioural insights and, and how you started doing this work? Yeah, certainly. So um, I've um, worked in marketing and comms Sort of my entire um, my entire career. Um, so I did a, a master's in marketing and then work started off my work uh, working within the private sector in advertising, um, uh, and then moved into um, working within the third sector and then within health. Um, and my I joined Samuel Council coming up to about ten years ago now, um, and that role was um, what what was then quite a um, a popular um, process called social marketing. So. It was around very similar and it's sort of very similar to kind of behavioural um, economics and behavioural science, but essentially it was using the processes um, that traditional marketing used, sort of segmentation, um, uh, targeting, um, and applying them for a um, for a for social purpose or social good. Um, but the goal within any sort of social marketing pro um, project was always going to be measured around um, a behavioural change, and so. Doing working within that role, um, the kind of uh, overlap between kind of social marketing processes um, and this kind of merging area of behavioural economics um, was really clear. So I kind of became interested in in kind of how um, behavioural um, science could really inform what we did in health and how we could use that as a way of um, not just understanding behaviour but also looking at how we could um, help shape behaviour. Um, within public health. So uh, yeah, so within that I've worked um, in various roles within public health, started off working in a kind of uh, within the marketing, uh, within the um, mental health and wellbeing um, team and then moved on to tobacco control and then um, in my current position which is working across um, the thematic areas within public health. So really work um, within all across um, what we offer within public health. So that's health protection, um, that could be health promotion, it could be around um, 
uh, you know, things like uh, lifestyle changes, so all the smoking, um, alcohol, um, sexual health. So kind of, yeah, I, I've been really fortunate to have had um, really wide and vast experience working with all kind of domains within public health, but in, within the sphere of looking at how we understand behaviour and shape behaviour and look at changing behaviour. So really interested around that, bringing that marketing experience and background from a different sector into, mm -hmm. you know, undertaking the behavioural change work for social good and an impact on, on public health locally. So so we've been supporting the LGA around one of your uh, behavioural insights projects throughout COVID. And, and that's what we're, we're going to talk about today. So the, the place to start is what's the original behaviour that you were looking to change through this project? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, at, at the start of um, sort of pandemic, you know, we uh, like all councils around the UK was faced with the challenge on how to kind of really reduce uh, transmission of COVID within our local population. Um, you know, and we know beh behaviour of both individuals and groups is fundamental to reducing transmission. And, you know, we were seeing that despite the quantity of information guidance that was available, um, infection rates uh, continued to rise rapidly. Um, and, you know, restrictions and regulations, both, you know, we see that locally and also nationally, do have some impact. Um, but we could also see with our close links um, with our um, community sector um, and our residents that our insight was telling us that people were feeling, you know, a certain level of confusion, uh, you know, um, they were unclear, they were fatigued by the kind of information overload that was happening um, around COVID. Um, and, you know, from a behavioural um, insights point of view, we understand that when people are feeling fatigued and overloaded, um, it can result in kind of low motivation and thus have an impact on behaviour. So we kind of started um, our kind of discussions around what we could do based on that kind of nugget of insight about how we could really look at increasing kind of self-efficacy um, around at that time personal protective behaviour, so hand hygiene, um, social distancing, a face covering wearing, um, and we wanted to really kind of focus on our working age population. Um, so we kind of had that little nugget of where we wanted to start and then um, the opportunity came from the LGA to apply for some funding around the behavioural science trial which we obviously um, applied for and were successful in, um, in getting. Um, but you know if anything this kind of what this pandemic has taught us is it doesn't stand still and kind of fast moving nature of what was happening meant that we needed to be agile in approach. Thus, um, by the time we had the funding in place um, and we got our specialist agency um, in place, the kind of focus had really shifted to around vaccinations. And it became very clear um, that that was actually the behaviour that we really needed to focus on to make a, you know, a, um, to make a measurable impact on transmission um, and in terms of protecting our communities. Um, so we wanted to look at working age population as we felt that this was a group where we would begin to start seeing um hesitancy um you know we it was it was very clear very early on that kind of the older age groups um or the older cohorts were more than willing to take up the vaccine um and we we were able to predict that actually you know as we were as 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 it moves down the different cohorts there might be um there might be a, a more of a degree of hesitancy um and so um we that you know that the kind of our target audience kind of was very clear um based on that 
Um, and also, you know, kind of capitalizing on the good links that we help already have with workplaces. So we did, uh, in terms of our COVID response work, you know, had established very, very strong links with local businesses. And so it was a also pragmatically a good way of, um, you know, um, uh, having a kind of foothold with that um, audience segment. So I think that's a really important point that you raise around, you know, the speed of events and the agility of the, the behaviour change approach. And these tools can be used even when, you know, the situation shaped the behaviour you thought you were looking to change was around that actually adhering to hands, face, space and the COVID restrictions. And actually it turned out as you, things have moved along really quickly, it was about vaccine take up and the target cohort is that working age population. So yeah, that speed of response is a really important point and I think for others other councils listening in that things change that you think you're going in with one behavior you want to change but actually it's then moved on and can you say more about that that sort of speed and agility of of change and approach yeah I think I think that you know that's that's kind of been key throughout um all the work that we've done um as a council around the pandemic I think having that agility um and that adaptability uh, and being responsive is, is, is been key to kind of any sort of um, successful outcomes we've had. Um, and I think for, um, I think, you know, in terms of kind of from a behavioral insights point of view, um, you know, if we were, it, I think kind of having having the, the time um, to a certain extent to be agile was also important or the, the ability to kind of um, uh, understand what the specific behavior change was that we wanted to focus on was really important for this project um and you know i think that that's working both you know with yourselves in the lga um and also with the agency and having working um and, and all of us having that sort of mindset that actually we, we need to be more responsive to what what's happening or what the what the immediate kind of behavior changes we need to focus on really Sorry, that, I don't know if that answers your question at all. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. It's it was just a really important point um, raised there that things do change, the behaviour changes, it moves on, but you can still apply these approaches even in that um, in in that situation as you've done so so well. So you've talked there around it's the working age population. So was the date your local data was telling you that was a real hotspot around um, people not taking up the vaccine? Yeah, I think um, so. You know, from 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 what we were also doing in terms of our kind of reading around the literature around vaccination uptake, um, and a kind of some of the emerging literature around the COVID vaccine uptake, was that there's this understanding that the um, the you know the risk or the perception of risk um, seems to increase with age because obviously age is a you know a significant risk factor for catching COVID. So, you know, the kind of theory is that, you know, if you're offered the vaccine and you're a certain age, you're going to, you know, and your life has been so um, curtailed, you know, as we know, for our kind of older um, populations, actually, um, there isn't really a, this kind of a no brainer around kind of getting getting the, the jab. Um, whereas there would be, you know, more time or, or well, there'd be more time because the vaccine um, wouldn't be offered to the younger cohorts until later in the year. To kind of de for deliberation for kind of um you know for that hesitancy to to, to kind of ferment really um and also you know the kind of urgency around getting the vaccine um you know was not going to be as keenly felt with our younger um populations our younger age groups um so 
that's why kind of the working age population is a big, you know, big, big, big massive population, you know, if you think about it. But we, we knew that that would be um, where we would want to probably be doing a lot of work and um, would need to be looking at um, utilising the kind of behavioural insight levers that we could or nudges that we could around that. So how did you go about gathering insights to understand what was driving the behaviour um, or not in this cohort? Mm -hmm. um, so um, a couple of ways really. So um, we have worked throughout this pandemic very, very closely with both our faith and our community sectors and they've been invaluable partners in helping us with our response um, to the pandemic. And from that, we were getting, you know, kind of real time insight um, and uh, real time feedback about um, kind of vaccination and vaccination behaviours. Um, you know, as part of that, we had a COVID vaccination leader programme um, where, which was a regular kind of um, programme where we, we gave information about the vaccinations and um, to, uh, to kind of uh, nominated leaders and, and they would also, it was kind of a dialogue where they would also feed back to us kind of some of the, the challenges or the, um, um, the hesitancies or the reasons for hesitancies. Um, and sort of in parallel with that, we, you know, we were working with um, the behavioralists who um, are the specialist agency that have been on board for this piece of work. And they did an, a literature review around kind of vaccination uptake and vaccinations behaviours, um, looking at kind of the, the um, behavioural insights and behavioural science um, literature around that. So sort of looking at kind of, I guess, real time. Um, I don't like to use the term anecdotal because I, I don't want to undermine that insight. Because that's actually really, really, really essential insight um, and but also looking at the more formalized literature and marrying those two things to give us some really good um, understandings. It's the qualitative isn't it the qualitative yeah, as well exactly. as the quantitative. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily a formalized way of doing that necessarily and, and, and you know because we have to be pragmatic um, there isn't always time to do a focus group or there isn't always time to do it in, a, in that kind of formalised way but we were, we were getting quite a lot of intelligence from our local communities so it, again like you know to capture that and to kind of you know fuse that with the um, with the more kind of uh, traditional kind of uh, research that the, the agency was doing. And in terms of getting that insights and that you know that feedback from the employers who I assume had a huge role to play in in this work yes absolutely um so the um you know it both from a kind of the community uh, perspective of adult kind of working age adult population but like you said also our work that we were doing with businesses um and understanding what their particular uh, what what the barriers were for their staffing groups you know that was absolutely instrumental in helping shape this and what were those barriers what were those insights that this work show really yeah you know i think with 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 um with around with the hesitancy um i think you know it's 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 nothing and nothing kind of um you know that would come to any surprise to anybody or around who's working in this kind of area you know kind of uh, people would have um kind of fears over kind of fertility or you know long-term impacts of the vaccine whether it being rushed through um whether it um you know had um been in endorsed by kind of you know the right people you know it was kind of the typical kind of um, myths that you would run into around um hesitancy um but it was just useful to kind of um see that that you know 
see that come through from um, like our local population as well as kind of being married with the behavioural science literature. So yeah, really good to get that local flavour, yeah, anecdotal qualitative as well as the quantitative feedback, but it was marrying with what you thought would come out, but good to get that sort yeah. of, you know, triangulation that that was, that was the case. And, and kind of overlaid on all of that, I think, was, so we, we kind of had a good grasp of kind of what the common, um, what the common uh, barriers were for people to get the, you know, in terms of, I guess, um, um, uh, not necessarily practical barriers, but those kind of psychological barriers for people to get the vaccine. Um, and the literature supported that, but what also we were able to tease out was actually what would work in terms of kind of behavioural nudges around those particular um, um, concerns. So, you know, looking at where it was, you know, where, where we might want to use kind of a social norming kind of lever, you know, in terms of a message and whether we, we wanted to use kind of a trusted kind of advocate or trusted voice kind of lever, you know, so it was looking at where it's kind of taking the kind of insight about what, okay, we understand these are the kind of, uh, you know, uh, psychological barriers that people might have, uh, you know, if that's the right term to use. And this is maybe where the nudge might help with that particular barrier. So we aim to, yeah, we aim to sort of demystify behavioural insights on, on the podcast. So if you could explain to everyone what social norming is. Yeah, so, uh, you know, kind of uh, my understanding of social norming is around that, you know, as, as human beings, we are um, absolutely um, uh, social creatures and we take our social cues from those around us. Um, and actually, if we are told that other people like ourselves are taking part in a behaviour, we're far more likely to take that behaviour, take up that behaviour. Yeah, that's... That's spot on my understanding as well. So yeah. yeah, really useful to just share that with people as who might be new to this stuff as well. Yeah, we need to really demystify um, these terms so that that's really helpful. So back to the employers, I'm I'm really interested in in, in this angle. So we know from behaviour change, don't we? The more you can see a benefit for you in a certain behaviour, the more likely you're encouraged to you know that you can see the win-win for for yourself or, or a, a group of people. So. How did you encourage employers to be part of this work? How did you sell the benefits to them? Were they clear on the benefits? You know, for other councils who are looking to engage their local employers, um, not just on, on this particular behaviour, but on other behaviour, you know, stuff around climate change, isn't there, that, that employers have, you know, skills, growth, jobs, all of that building back stuff as well. So if you could speak a bit about that, that'd be really helpful. Yeah, of course. So I think, you know, the, one of the key learnings for me from this is, is that um, you know, and actually, it's a key learning for kind of any bit of behavioural insights work or any piece of project, like you said, is um, attention, isn't it? And I think that at the beginning, when we were before we actually had a um, a a so what we've we've gone we've we've gone with a survey design experiment, um, but before we actually had that as a, the product as such it was quite hypothetical when we were talking about this type of work and you could try and explain it in a, in a way that you know would hopefully you know encapsulate what we were trying to achieve but essentially people's attention span is short isn't it and if they have no knowledge of behavioral science or no understanding of behavioral and science 
kind of trying to explain what we were trying to do um, had some challenges because it, it, there wasn't anything tangible we were able to show them. It was all very theoretical. Um, so when we when we actually had the design or the survey design, it became much more easy for people to go on, have a so we had like a test site that people could use and actually have that kind of um, experience, experiential kind of quality to what we were trying to achieve. So it kind of then cemented in people's brains, you know, a lot more clearly um, what um, what we wanted to do. Um, so I would say that that kind of was was a challenge to begin with. It's kind of, you know, a lot of behavioural science is quite theoretical um, and it's really only through using kind of examples or showing kind of how it works in practice that it becomes a bit more alive for people. And, you know, um, and like I said, once we had the product as such to show people, um, it was a lot easier to explain because um, even, you know, describing it, you know, as a behaviour change project, people might feel, you know, kind of even using the word behaviour can be maybe sometimes contentious or sometimes, you know, you know concerning for people. Um, the idea that one, you know, in talking about randomised control trials and sort of one group having an intervention and another group not having an intervention and sort of what that might mean in terms of implication for the group that did or didn't receive the, the intervention, you know, all those things, you know, took time to kind of explain um, and I don't always think we were successful in kind of penetrating that kind of understanding. Um, but like I said, once we had the product, it was just a lot easier to to get buy in. So sort of having something tangible to bring yeah, it to life yeah, and cut yeah. through, as, as yeah. we were saying, on you know, yeah. the demystifying point again, isn't it? And actually, Absolutely. this is what we're trying to do that that got the, the engagement across and also building on, as you said, those already you know, strengthen links through the pandemic between public health and local employers um, is a really important point. And also they're really busy, as you, you know, you can imagine, yeah. especially during um, sort of the last um, year, you know, or business, you know, businesses were dealing with, you know, so much, or local businesses were dealing with so many, so many competing kind of demands um, with regards to COVID, um, that again, trying to cut through the noise of, of, of what they were getting from us as a council, what they were getting from other, you know, um, other stakeholders, um, that that became very important about how we could kind of yeah like I guess cut through cut through that noise and and also kind of um, really sell the value of, of of this project to them. So to recap, so you've got your behavioural challenge; it's increasing vaccine uptake. You've got your target cohort; it's working age population across across the council area. Um, you've then got your desktop research from the supplier around you know, vaccine take up and and the ways BI can be used for that. But then there's also, you know, you've had feedback from both working age adults in the community through the faith and community partners as well, as well as through, you know, your in interactions with local employers um, and feedback and engagement from them. The insights that that it raised for you sort of triangulated with with what you thought but now you know locally that's the case as well um and you know you've encouraged buy-in from from local employers by actually you know here is a prototype this is what we want to do and that's that tangible nature started to bring it to life so so what was the intervention that you have chosen so we conducted um two uh randomized control trials um which we um implemented between July 2021 and November 2021. Um, and these RCTs were administered through an online survey platform. 
So participants were invited to, to take part in a survey. They were unaware that the um, that they were in an experiment, um, and the survey began by asking, you know, just a few demographic questions um, and um, a screening question. The screening question was, have you had the COVID vaccine um, or not? And so, um, based on their response, they were assigned to either trial one or trial two. So um, if they had not received the vaccine, they were put in trial one. If they had received the vaccine um, or if they were scheduled to get the vaccine, they were put in trial two. So trial one, which was our uh, people who hadn't had the vaccine as yet, um, we hypothesized that we could encourage vaccinations by addressing the reasons why people um, say they didn't want to get vaccinated. So um, participants were first asked to rank, um, sorry, to list and rank the main reasons for not getting their COVID um, vaccine. Um, and that was done through an interactive online kind of interface. Um, and so if participants were randomized to the treatment group, they were then shown um, a behaviorally um, framed message that addressed their highest ranking concern. Mm. Um, trial two um, was designed um, under the assumption that vaccine advocacy supports the acceptance um, and uptake of the vaccine. So. Participants that declare themselves vaccinated were then asked um, if they would encourage others to get their vaccine. Um, so kind of this helped us to understand their willingness to become um, vaccine advocates. Um, and also we asked them to specify their own reasons for getting the vaccine. And if randomised to the treatment group, they were shown a behaviourally um, framed message aimed at encouraging them to become vaccine advocates. So, you know, speaking to their family or friends or work colleagues, you know, about the benefits of taking the vaccine. Mm. So, so I guess in summary, it's that that first trial, it's those that are um, unvaccinated. You're asking them to, you know, give the reason as to why uh, they, they've chosen to take that path. And then once they've selected that reason, they then get the, the treatment, as you say, or, you know, the, the nudge just for the listeners to clarify that the behavioural intervention that they then see from there all online. And then there's the second group who are vaccinated. You're, you're wanting to ask them, would they be um, an advocate for the vaccine? And then they get their treatment around their response to that question is Correct. that right yeah. that's right yeah so you've run those two interventions and what were the results okay so for the first trial we did see um a a small um increase so nine percent increase um in terms of um people that um uh the weather where the intervention had an impact however it, you know to caveat that you know we had a very low sample size in this trial um and you know the other thing that uh, we were working with at that point was that um, kind of mirroring what was going on um, nationally is that, you know, uh, most people had had their COVID-19 uh, vaccine. So like 90 percent of people that took part in the survey had already had their vaccine, uh, which is great from a public health point of view. Um, and But it kind of is reflected in the kind of small numbers we got um, of people that hadn't had their vaccine that were responding to the survey. Um, and, you know, it's really, I guess, um, you know, it, it's a, encouraging because actually what, what it tells us is that this might be a good idea to find ways of testing this intervention um, with a larger number of participants in the future to give us a bit bit more of um, a bigger number around this. Um, so that that's really promising um, in terms of kind of further further work that we've been looking to do. Um, the second trial, um, which was the people that hadn't um, been um, vaccinated, oh, sorry, who had had their vaccine, um, Again, um, it, uh, it was a, a fairly small effect size in terms of the behavioural intervention. Um, however, a very high share of the survey participants stated that they are willing to become vaccine advocates. 
um, and encourage your friends, families um, to take the vaccine. Um, so 79% of participants answered yes, definitely, um, when asked that they were willing to be advocates. So it is, again, useful to explore ways of translating this kind of um, people's intention into the actual advocacy behaviour. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Chitra, around actually that sometimes the small numbers of people we, we are working with in these trials, unlike maybe bigger national trials, some of the, the ones that, for example, DWP will run, huge ones around tax collection, etc. You know, we are smaller units of local government working with smaller groups of people to try and influence behaviour. Um, and I think it, it's sort of trialling this stuff, seeing there is, a, a we've seen a, a bit of a move in, in a positive direction. Now let's try and can we, you know, join up with our neighbours and try and scale this up to a bigger population uh, to, to test that further. Absolutely, yeah. I think as I, as I kind of, you know, uh, I think the kind of that mentality of sort of testing these ideas and, you know, it, like like you said, we don't necessarily have those large numbers, but um, they're a good kind of, kind of uh, you know, opportunity to test kind of our theories to then scale up. Um, and, it, and I think this is what, certainly what this trial has shown us is like actually scaling up would benefit or would give some, some interesting, uh, int more interesting insights. So, so they're the, the sort of numerical results. What's the wider impact been? Um, so I think in terms of kind of a wider impact, um, I think the um, I think this getting the insight uh, from participants that weren't vaccinated, um, actually understanding um, what their main concerns were around the vaccine, um, and participants reported concerns um, around the vaccine, for example, being rushed, the potential side effects, concerns regarding the ineffectiveness of the vaccine, um, and kind of risk perception of COVID to them individually. Um, and these are obviously really, really useful findings for us as a council in terms of how we develop our communications and targeting those specific concerns um, in kind of future uh, vaccination campaigns that we do. Um, and I think also it's worth noting that the, it, if you had one, there wasn't a kind of a correlation between having one concern and then another concern. These were all quite individual, um, you know, concerns, if that makes sense. So um, I think it's, it's again, it kind of comes back to this kind of, uh, of not having a one size fits all kind of approach to when we're, we're, we're addressing those concerns and kind of really tailoring kind of um, addressing those very specific concerns in a very specific manner. Um, I think the vaccine advocacy um, uh, insight is also really useful. So again, it's kind of a, you know, kind of speaks to this kind of, um, you know, gap between kind of um, intention and behaviour, behaviour intention gap, um, you know, this idea that the willingness is there and the kind of for people that have been vaccinated to, um, you know, to promote the vaccine to um, uh, to friends and family, um, it's like a bit kind of you know how how do we how do we translate that into behaviour? And I think that's a really interesting um, uh, topic to kind of to to examine and to look at and to see what we can do um, around that. And maybe that's also maybe with kind of other kind of public health issues or public health um, uh, areas, we might want to look at this kind of advocacy model. And look at how people's, you know, so if, if, if people are taking up a particularly kind of pro-social behaviour, is there a way that we can kind of, again, mobilise that, you know, uh, that willingness to act as an influencer or act as an advocate for that behaviour? Um, so I think that's got some really interesting um, 
some in interesting kind of uh, impacts and kind of the further work that we do, like the more the, the kind of across the the across the thematic areas that we work with within public health. So I guess yeah, that that first point around actually be more be more specific in our communications around addressing concerns rather than addressing all the concerns. You know, a lot of information. Mm. Is it fair to say what you've learned is to actually be you know pick one message and be really specific and really clear in communicating that message? Is is that coming through? I, yeah, I think so. And I think repetition of that as well. So I think yeah. that it's not just about the uh, you know, so the the kind of giving people too much information, but I think it's, you know, it's the constant repetition of reassurance that the, the vaccine hasn't been rushed. Like, I don't think you can say that enough times, you know, that it's um, effective. Again, I don't think you can say that enough times. And I think it's that sort of um, real kind of drip feed approach of um, consistently um, and constantly kind of understanding what those concerns are and um, giving people almost a script with which it can be embedded and kind of to people in you know within people's perceptions around that so um i think it's you know all the stuff around social norming around vaccination uptake is really important and kind of you know showing that lots of people are having it and all the rest of it is really important but i actually think that when it's a new behavior like um the covid or we're asking people to take part in a new behavior actually there is probably a element of um uh awareness raising that not just awareness raising but also kind of addressing those key concerns that people might have um and you know sometimes we may feel that people are moved on or they they do know this stuff or whatever and actually i think early adoption not, not early adoption of behavior but i think there's something around um i think there's something around when a behavior is relatively new that going back to basics constantly is not going to be a bad thing and i guess the beauty of this trial and this project isn't it is that actually where people because it's an online platform you can express what your concern is for example the vaccine was rushed and then once you click that the treatment actually is a set of information to allay your concern around that so it's a very targeted to your fear isn't it or, or, or the barrier to the behavior yeah. um and and that's the sort of interactive nature of it that i think will address that concern that the individual specifically has raised rather than a big long list of things that we communicate out. Yes, and also I think what we try to do with the uh, nudges themselves, the behavioural based nudges, is we have we try to use kind of um, uh, you know uh, our understanding of the behavioural science literature with regard to that specific concern. So for something like if your concern was around fertility, we we kind of um, made um, the decision to use trusted voices. So having GPs or midwives. Uh, stating that it was a safe um, that it was safe for you and baby or you know for mother and baby to have the vaccine um, and equally if it was something around um, you know kind of uh, uh, you know a, a kind of uh, like a kind of what well, the kind of impact it has and kind of the you know whether you didn't believe that it had an impact on you know uh, your your community as a whole kind of having trusted community member voices talking about that as a kind of create you know we, we use kind of I guess the levers of sort of behavioral insights to infuse the messages if that makes sense so you know whether that's social norming or whether that might be a, a bit more of a fear-based kind of messaging or whether that would be um, around um, knowing when the statistics were going to be useful to be used and when they maybe 
uh, wouldn't be abused. And again, that might be something that we would want to explore further is actually you can people rank their concerns, but actually perhaps would 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 so so if somebody was putting that they felt that the vaccine has been rushed, would social norming work within that? one or would you want to have a trusted voice or would you want to have um another kind of you know like would you be wanting to use another heuristic to infuse within that um within that nudge so or use another bit of barrel insight so actually the actual nudge itself could be tailored if that makes sense and speaking of next steps that, that speaks beautifully to my next question um so what are the next steps for this work and and for these findings um, so I guess we, we're really keen to um, infuse all that knowledge that we've got from this um, from this project into kind of how we communicate and and kind of what uh, kind of shaping the communications that we do um, around vaccination uptake. Um, I think that we already have a, a really strong um, community champions um, program that we uh, run and have been running um, all of last year and looking perhaps maybe at how we could is there another is there a way of expanding that and also expanding that to maybe a more individual based kind of and a more simpler ask so rather than you know that we have a, a program that people could come on and do the training but actually is there an, you know people are stating that they want to be advocates is there an easier way of doing that you know through um very simple acts or smaller acts or an online kind of um option um and I think also looking at how we can take these results and apply them to other parts of um, uh, what we do within public health. So looking at other topic areas that we might want to look at using kind of um, these kind of behavioural based images um, and experiment with kind of again, when we understand what people's concerns are and then kind of giving them kind of automatically um, a response to those concerns. Is that is there a way that we could build that into kind of um, our online offer. So if somebody's coming on um, around, you know, uh, a topic uh, like smoking cessation, actually understanding what their specific um, barrier is to quitting, we can then give them a behavioural based nudge based around that and seeing if that that be effective. And I guess a lot of this project was with local employers. So right. are there any plans to work more with employers on this type of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have really good working relationships with our local businesses and local employers, and we are we ourselves are one of um, the biggest employers uh, within Sandwell. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's uh, that that sustaining and maintaining that relationship and maintaining the kind of um, the, um, uh, you know, the momentum around the kind of specifically around the behavioural science work will be really important. So if for those councillors and officers uh, listening to the podcast and from councillors across the country are thinking, I want to do some similar work, some behavioural insights work around encouraging vaccine uptake locally. Um, what are your top three tips for anyone starting out on this journey? Um, I guess my tips would probably be um, not just kind of vaccine work, but kind of uh, or kind of using behavioural science for vaccine uptake, but just generally in terms of behavioural science um, work. Um, I think what we were we we had a really good supplier on board. So the behavioralists were um, you know, the agency that we worked with on this. And I think that's key to it. Having it, having it, having the right organization to work in partnership with, who have the kind of more um uh, deeper knowledge and understanding of these areas, um can is really beneficial and we found that to be really beneficial. Um and having a team that you can work kind of in collaboration with um 
and you know it was definitely kind of like a, a very true kind of partnership way of working um i think that that's really really important um i think that also having a dedicated resource within a council within an organization so you know in this case it was me that was you know i, I have a background in um, behavioral science and implementing behavioral science within public health and so I had a really good grasp and understanding of the behavioural science side of things, but I also obviously work within the council, I work within public health, so I can fuse those two things together and not just that from a practical level, kind of driving driving the project forward, making sure that we were, you know, meeting with who we needed to meet, you know, understanding the kind of landscape locally um, and then kind of translating how we did the behavioural science bit, I think is really useful. So I'd say definitely have, make sure you've got somebody in that role who's going to be able to take uh, you know to take the project forward um who has a good good understanding um of both behavioral science and how local government operates um and then certainly for us you know uh, for this particular uh project it's about being agile because at the start we were looking at personal protective behaviors as the behavior that we wanted to change and you know obviously not all topics are going to change so drastically as kind of you know the pandemic um, but I think there's something about having an agile approach, especially at the early stages of a project. Like you might have an idea of what behaviour you want to influence, but your insight um, and your research might throw up some other really interesting nuggets that you might want to explore. And it's about, I guess, having the ability to not be too prescriptive um, at the beginning about what who your target audience is and what your behaviour is. So kind of taking an agile mindset, certainly at the beginning. Teacher, thank you so much for sharing your fantastic work with us on the podcast. We really do appreciate your time. Um, and yet yeah, you're welcome back anytime once you're, you've done some more work in this space. Please do come back and, and tell us more about the, the further work you've been doing around behavioural insights. Wonderful. Thank you very much. So if you'd like to learn more about the Behavioural Insights projects that you can try out in your council, please do visit our website at www.local.gov.uk and search for Behavioural Insights. You'll find there a host of other nudges for social good that you can learn from and use in your council. And thank you for listening and please do share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and, and start to spread the word around Behavioural Insights in local government. We'll speak to you next time. Thank you.